Shalom Mishpocha. Welcome to part two of this Kadima talk with Joshua's convictions and failures. None of the people aged 20 or more who came out of Egypt will see the land I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because they haven't followed me unreservedly. What does that mean? Well, let me put it to you in English. They weren't sold out to God. The only two that were were Caleb and Joshua, son of Nun, because they have followed Adonai unreservedly, were sold out, verse 12. And this is very interesting on a side note, that Joshua was Jewish, but Caleb was a Gentile. And so we see the two that entered the promise of the promised land, the only two of that generation that got to see the full promises of God were Jew and Gentile, something powerful released in this. This will be our future Kadima talk. But Joshua trusted wholeheartedly, unreservedly in Adonai. This is a shadow and a model for every leader in the body of Messiah. You have to believe unreservedly in him. You have to trust in him. He is your rock. He is your foundation. There's no other rock. Every victory you have, it is not because of your talents, your charisma, your ability. It is solely because of God and God alone. Remember, Joshua, he was a mighty warrior, but when Moses' hands drooped, Amalek won. When Moses' hands went back up with the staff, Joshua won. And so we have to understand the supernatural calling upon your life that you must be obedient to God because in that God will fight. He will go before you and drive your enemies out in front of you. If you're not obedient, if you're not submissive to that covenant promise with God, then you will not succeed. He followed Adonai, God, unreservedly. We have to do the same. The land was good. And they could take it with Adonai. And that was their report, Caleb and Joshua. Israel tried even to stone these two when Adonai's glory appeared in the tent of meeting in Numbers 13. Here's the takeaway. Joshua was obedient in the face of adversity and when his life was threatened. It says in Revelation, they loved not their life even unto, they overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and loved not their life even unto death. This is what it means to un reservedly serve Adonai. In the face of possible death, he still trusted in God and gave God's report. This is profound. We have to walk in the same unreserved trust in Adonai if you want to be a profound leader and impact the world in the body of Messiah. We see a servant's heart in him. In Exodus 24, verse 13, Moses got up but also Joshua, his assistant. And Moses went up into the mountain of God. When Moses got up, Joshua got up. Joshua 11, verse 15, Moses had given orders to Joshua just as Adonai had given orders to Moses, his servant. And Joshua acted accordingly. He did everything Adonai had ordered Moshe. So we see a servant's heart here. Yeshua himself said those who wish to lead must first serve in Matthew 20, 26. So as a leader in the body of Messiah, Listen, you're serving other people. You're serving congregates. You're serving ministries. You're, you're, you're serving the greater Kehelet, the greater body of Messiah. All that we do for the kingdom is one of service. Next, we see loyalty. Again, we've talked about this for 40 years. He was the number two guy. He was incredibly loyal. He didn't bounce around from place to place to place to place. He knew his position. He stuck through it till the end. In Exodus 33, starting at verse 11, Adonai would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Then he would return to the camp. But the young man who was assistant, Joshua, the son of Nun, never left the inside of the tent. He was there the entire time. So the whole time, Joshua's like a sponge, and he's learning, he's observing, he's experiencing, he's in the presence of God. He's witnessing and experiencing this interaction between Moses 
and Adonai, who God spoke to Moses face to face. This is for 40 years. This is so powerful. What an awesome place to have been in. In Numbers 11, verses 27 through 30, a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, the son of Nun, who from his youth had been Moses' assistant, answered, My Lord Moses, stop them. But Moses replied, Are you so zealous to protect me? I wish all of Adonai's people were prophets. I wish Adonai would put a spirit on all of them. Moses and the leaders of Israel went back into the camp in verse 30. So we see here that Joshua, he, he was zealous to protect and, and defend and take care of the person whom he served. If you will, he was like a, uh, an armor bearer. And, uh, and, and Moses said, are you, are you so zealous to protect me? And the answer is yes. But the reality is, uh, jo- you know, Joshua didn't fully understand what was happening here. And Moses wished that everyone, same words that Paul said, I wish they would all prophesy. It's one of the greatest gifts in the kingdom. But we see this heart of, of, of protection, this zealous service of Moses to put a hedge of protection around the one whom he served. He was a loyal number two. I've met so many seeking leadership in the last 20 years, and here's the key. This is why I keep harping on this 40-year thing, and I know it sounds like a broken record. I've met so many who sought leadership, who want to rise through the ranks in the last 20 years, that they put in six or eight months and think, oh, this is it. I should be in the inside circle. I should be on the boards. I should be speaking at the conference. I should be doing this. I should be doing I know, because 20 years ago, I had those same thoughts. I want to be transparent with you. The Lord's really done some work in me over the years, and it's been some hard physical lessons to break the spirit of pride within me. Too many are seeking the short track to the top. It doesn't exist. It takes time, 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 sowing, 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 and sowing to move through, to pass the test, to prove yourself worthy of the divine calling of the Most High God upon your life. In Joshua's case, it took 40 years. I've been at this for 20 years. I'm only halfway to where Joshua was at. There's even more to learn and either even more learning, growing process that to take place in my own life to keep moving forward in the kingdom of God. Psalms 31 verse 23 says, Love the Lord, all you faithful ones, for the Lord protects those who are loyal to him, but he harshly punishes all who are arrogant. And so we, we can't get uh, a, an enlarged head and a bloated ego in the kingdom of God because we're not doing any of this anyways. He is. And so we have to have a humble, contrite heart and remember this and be loyal all the way to the end and not get disenfranchised when you've been at this for a year or two and you've not gone up six steps of the ladder or where you think you should be in the kingdom of God. God will seek out those who will humble. He will elevate those with the gifts. And here is the one who gives those gifts. You have to wait on the timing of the Lord. We see also exhibited in Joshua great courage. Courage, what a profound character trait to have. Numbers 14, verses 5 through 10, Moshe and Aaron fell on their faces before the entire assembled community and the people of Israel. Remember, this is after the the sending in the 12 spies to seek across the land. And when they came back, 10 spies gave a negative report. Verse 6, Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Yefuni, from the detachment that had reconnoitered the land, tore their clothes upon hearing this bad report. Verse 7, and said to the whole community of Israel, the land we passed through in order to spy it out is an outstandingly good land. If Adonai is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. 
a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, check out these words. If Adonai is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land. He understands this covenant relationship between the people of Israel and Adonai. Verse 9, he said, just don't rebel against Adonai. Don't be afraid of the people living in the land. We'll eat them up. Their defense has been taken away from them, and Adonai is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But just as the whole community were saying they should be stoned to death, the glory of, of Adonai appeared in the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. Listen, before I move on to courage, this is a resounding message for us today. In the midst of this pandemic and chaos and the shaking of the earth and all these things happening around us, we've got plagues, we've got locusts, we've got fires, we've got volcanoes spewing, we've got earthquakes, we've got a record hurricane season. Do not fear. Do not rebel against Adonai. Don't be afraid of what's happening around you because if you serve him, he will go before you and he will eject your enemies in front of you. Do not succumb to the spirit of fear as all Israel did, except for these two. Millions of people succumbed to this fear, except for two. We're seeing this played out across our country today, across our nation. Millions of people succumbing to the spirit of fear. And God says, be bold, be very bold. Don't succumb to this to this spirit. And why is this? Because Joshua had courage. Courage is a state or quality of mind or spirit that enables one to face danger or fear with confidence and resolution. It's also connected to bravery. The real test of courage is in our daily lives. The courage to speak the truth all the time because lies are the biggest and most obvious sort of cowardice that all of us hide behind. The courage to speak our mind and not stay silent simply because we're afraid that other people might not agree with us. Of course, there'll be conflicting views, and of course, conflict is unpleasant, but not speaking truth can lead to much worse unpleasantness. It can lead to rebellion and apostasy from God. The courage to stand up for what we believe in, to have trust in that or not. The courage to follow public rules and laws and assist that other people follow them too. The courage to follow Torah and encourage other people to do so as well. The courage to resist those who, who take the easy way out, which only leads to compromise. Mark Twain once said, courage is not the absence of fear. It is acting in spite of it. The sign of a courageous person is someone who, who feels fear, recognizes fear, but still goes on to do what he or she believes is right. Courage is overcoming the fear that everybody has. Psalms 31 verse 24 says, be strong and fill your hearts with courage, all of you who hope in Adonai. We see promotion through the story of Joshua. Numbers 27, starting at verse 15, Moses said to Adonai, let Adonai, God of the spirits of all human beings, appoint a man to be over the community. So we know the timing is set. We know that Joshua has done the time. He's been there. He's got a relationship with Adonai because of the relationship through Moses. So he's been in training. He's been in mentorship. And Moses says, and this is very interesting, Moses said to Adonai, let Adonai, God of the spirits of all human beings, let him appoint a man to be over the community, to go out and come in ahead of them, to lead them and bring them in so that Adonai's community, the Kehelet, will not be like sheep without a shepherd. Adonai said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a spiritual man, and lay your hand on him. Hey, let's pause here for a second. Nothing is for sure in the kingdom of God. Listen, Joshua did this for 40 years. There's no assumption. There's no assuming that he's going to be the next guy. I, I, I'm positive that Joshua's heart skipped a beat. Whoa, wait a minute. When Moses says, let Adonai decide who is going to be the next leader. 
But Adonai said to Moses, take Joshua. Why is that? Because of his courage, his loyalty, his commitment, his servanthood, because of his steadfast trust and faith in Adonai. He says, take Joshua, the son of Nun, verse 18. He's a spiritual man. He's been in my presence. He communicates with me and lay your hand on him. This is an ordination. This is shmecha. This is a physical transference of that fire that was upon Moses upon now to Joshua. Verse 19, it says, put him in front of Eleazar the Cohen and the whole community and commission him in their sight. This is so critical. There's a clear line of secession from one leader to the next, from Lador Vador, from one generation to the next. And they do it in front of the entire community, in front of the high priest. They do it so all can see this. Verse 20 says, delegate to him some of your authority so that the entire community of Israel will obey him. Remember, we talked several weeks ago about delegation and how critical this is in the body of Messiah. Here we're reading it in scripture. God tells Moses to delegate to Joshua some of Moses' authority so that the entire community of Israel will obey him. Verse 21, he's to present himself to Eleazar the Cohen, who is to find out by means of the Urim what Adonai's will is for Joshua's decisions. Then at his word they will go out, and at his word they will come in, both he and the people of Israel with him, the whole community. So Moses did as Adonai had ordered him. He took Joshua, put him before Eleazar the Cohen, and the whole community. They laid hands on him. They performed shmicha, and they commissioned him. They ordained him, as Adonai had said through Moses, and they told him, Joshua, that he is to present himself to the high priest, and before he does anything, he's to what? Communicate with God. If he's to go, he asks God. If he's to come back, he's to ask God. They make this crystal clear to him that who's really calling the shots? It's Adonai Sevaot, the Lord of hosts. So his his entire life, his unreserved trust, his being sold out to God, his service, his humility, his brokenheartedness, his spirituality, his communicating with God, his his warrior mentality, his bravery put him in succession to lead Israel upon Moses' end. It gave him what? Great responsibility. In Deuteronomy 31, verses 7 through 8, this is key because all these foundational traits we have talked about, even in the last weeks of these, it results in increased responsibility. There's more accountability. The the greater the calling, the higher the responsibility and the accountability, the greater the test will be. In verse 7 of Deuteronomy 31, next Moses summoned Joshua and in the sight of Israel said to him, be strong, be bold. For you are going with this people into the land, and I swore to their ancestors he would give them. And so this is a this is a clear handoff. He's giving the baton to Joshua inside of who? All Israel. Not something done in secret, but there's a clear succession here. He's saying to you, be strong, be bold, kazachamats. It's actually a war cry. For you are going with this people into the land, and I swore to their ancestors he would give them. You will be the one causing them to inherit it. Verse 8, but Adonai, it is he who will go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you, so don't be afraid or downhearted. Here we see this recurring theme, the same thing that hit Israel 40 years prior. Don't be afraid. Don't succumb to the spirit of fear. There's great responsibility here to put your trust in Adonai, to lead the people to do what is right. That then results in power, the deutimous power of the kingdom of God. In Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him, and the people of Israel heeded him and did what Adonai had ordered Moshe, Moses. So this shmicha, this transference of this anointing, this power, this delegation of authority from Moses to 
unto Joshua was heeded by the people, and they followed him just like they had Moses. It gave him credibility in verse 9. Again, this was done in the presence of all the people of Israel. By doing this in a public transition of power, it gives credence. That's why they do this. Joshua's faithfulness challenges us even today to lead as he did. We can't live, number one, like our contemporaries. Listen, people today are acting completely different than we are. Joshua went out with 11 other spies. 10 said, it's horrible, we can't take it. But two said, yes, we can, it's an exceedingly good land. They returned with a different report. He was living ahead of his time. He wasn't of this world. He was living in the kingdom of God. That's how we have to live. We have to live above our surroundings and circumstances. Joshua faced numerous challenges. He followed Moshe. He had to conquer Jericho and I. He had to cross the Jordan with more, more than millions of people. But he did it again and again and again. We, he had sin in a camp. He went before the Lord. They revealed it to him. He had many challenges. There's a tendency to think in the kingdom of God that once I get in leadership, everything's going to be smooth sailing. Absolutely not. But God will give you discernment. He will go with you. He will go in front of you, and he will bring revelation if you stay in covenant relationship with him and if you consult with him, if you are a spiritual person as Joshua was. We have to live deeper then your calamities. When Israel began to make progress in taking the promised land, some disobeyed God and brought defeat to the nation. Joshua overcame it. We have to live beyond your ability. Joshua's dream, his determination, and his ability to develop his leadership skills enabled him to soar even above his own concept of his own gifts. It was by the Lord working through him that the supernatural came to pass. It affected the entire next generation after him. So we've just gone through all this time and all this period, and we see all the supernatural things that happened in Joshua's life. I mean, what a life. What a life. What an obituary that was. He was a slave in Egypt. He saw the signs and wonders of deliverance. He saw the, the, the face of God come out from the pillar and destroy Egypt's army. He saw the wind shift the water, and they go across the Sea of Suf on dry ground. He heard the voices of God upon Mount Sinai. He saw the fire, the chavod, the smoke. He saw Moses' transformed faces. He was hidden in the hem of the garment. He was inside the entrance of the tent of meeting when God spoke to Moses face to face. He was there when Israel crossed. They put the ark and said, walk out of the Jordan River at flood stage, and it dried up so they could cross through on dry ground. What a life. The supernatural was part of his daily life. So how could he have failed? Where did he fall short? Joshua's greatest failure, his greatest problem was he failed to return the gift that Moses gave him. In Joshua 24, verse 29, after this, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Adonai, died. He was 110 years old. What was his failure, Mishpochah? One major point. He didn't raise up someone to take succession from him. He did not raise up a Joshua to follow him as he had followed Moses. He didn't mentor anybody. He didn't reproduce his leadership in someone else. What ends then is the supernatural book of Joshua, then the book of Judges, which records a time of anarchy when everyone did as they saw fit according to their own eye. Listen to the end of Judges 21, 25. At that time, there was no king in Israel. A man simply did whatever he thought was right. Now, let me pause here as we're winding down and I'm coming to a close on this second half of this Kadima podcast, this Kadima talk. 
I have seen this extensively in the last 20 years. In ministry, in serving God, in congregational settings, whatever terminology we want to use, either at a Messianic synagogue, a church, it really doesn't matter. I've seen this also in the business realm. I know, anyways, I don't want to prattle on. The single greatest failure I have seen in the body of Messiah is the inability to raise up the next generation of leaders. I've seen congregations destroyed over this. I've seen businesses go bankrupt because there wasn't a clear line of success. Look at how dramatic and how impactful this was, that they laid hands on him before all of the community. Moses gave him specific commands before all the community. Everyone knew Joshua was the next guy to do it. But he died at 110, and there was no one behind him. The next generation in general, because they remembered, they served the Lord. But by the second generation after Joshua, Israel had gone into a period of anarchy and chaos, a period of oppression where they couldn't own weapons, where the Philistines oppressed them and attacked them. They're, they're, look at the Gideon. He's threshing in a wine pit. How difficult is that? Why is that? Because Joshua's failure to raise up the next leader. I've seen a lot of people that make themselves... Um, and they put themselves in such a position that whatever organization they're with, they think that that organization can't get on without them. They think that's buying job security. That's actually the antithesis of everything you should be doing. The greatest complement of leadership is when you're able to raise up and train the leader behind you to take your place. It may take 10, 15, 20, 30 years, but if you're 60 and you haven't done it already, you're 20 years too late. You need to have a line of succession for whatever you're doing. You need to be training the people behind you. If you're a department head, if, if you're a psalmist, you should be training the person who's going to relieve you. If you're a, a Shabbat school ministry leader, you should be raising up your leader behind you. If you're a youth leader, you should have one or two behind you that you're training and mentoring to raise up to be in that position behind you. It's the ultimate complement of leadership is to have one or two in your wings that can take it from you, take the reins, and even better yet, grow beyond what you have done in your life. That's the ultimate compliment both to your leadership skills and to the kingdom of God. Where Moses fell short in striking the rock, Joshua stood in the gap and through his profound leadership and relationship with God, brought all Israel into the promised land after 40 years of wandering. But his greatest single failure, the greatest glaring mistake is he didn't raise up the next Joshua. Mishpochah, You've got to train the next generation. You've got to bring up the next set of leaders. You can't wait until you're in a hospital or hospice care because it's too late then. Be prepared to pass the baton. Do it in front of all the people so everyone knows and lay your hands on with shmicha to delegate the authority and the power that you have to bring up that next generation that the kingdom of God will expand and grow. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom, shalom.